When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. It's Michael Nesmith on the Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Martin Popoff here back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are part of the vast and always growing Pantheon Podcast Network available on Spotify, iTunes and 40 other podcast platforms thereabouts. Um, this is episode 85. We're going to be calling this Outshined to quote the great Soundgarden. Um, this is actually a, um, a suggestion from one of our listeners, Andrew Theo, who can always be counted on for, uh, for uh, rustling the bushes uh, with his anti-Aussie uh, rants, uh, of which there is one at our Facebook page uh, that erupts uh, inevitably when Andrew's around. Um, uh, there on our Facebook page for History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Uh, but this was actually brought up by him, and uh, we are, you know, in his honor going to uh, include his example as one of the examples of this. So the idea for this episode is about um, situations where um, a band uh, gets a new member in and uh, and the leader of the band or the rest of the band or something like that is is essentially outshined by the uh, the incoming interloper, uh, so to speak. Um, you know, these aren't always, um, you know, about uh, the ugliness of egos or anything like that. Or, um, you know, it, they're all different examples, actually. And uh, and I actually broke this into uh, categories uh, to string across these uh, five, hopefully artfully. Um, but so let's start with our first one. So so, yeah, the idea is there's a, there's a strong personality coming into the band. Take a listen to this. This is Ted Nugent with Out of Control. All right, so this is the first one that came to mind for me when uh, Andrew brought up this uh, idea because, you know, I've talked to Ted, I've talked to Derek St. Holmes uh, in the band about um, 
when Derek came into the band, uh, it's actually previous to this self-titled debut that was Ted's big hit album, 1975 on Epic. Um, but the clear-cut example of this entire episode uh, kind of comes from this, and it is the uh, the Ted Nugent Strong uh, song Stranglehold, which is is the biggest song off of the debut album. It's his first hit, and it gets this big career on the go. But, you know, talk to Ted about this. You know, Ted... Ted does have a big ego, and I think I unfortunately he has a little thinner skin than I kind of kind of uh, always thought that he uh, that a guy like that would have. Love Ted to death, but um, so Derek comes into the band, and um, you know Ted always talks about this, and so does Derek. But but from Ted's point of view, he actually says that, um, or people have said uh, about him that that he would actually um, you know want the the literally the spotlight in live situations on him or brighter on him more often or all the time to make make sure people knew whose band it was. So this this was um, a cause of contention immediately when Derek uh, is part of the band because he's this good-looking guy. He's also got a guitar strung around his neck, and he's the lead singer of the band to begin with. So... You know, there's the apocryphal stories all all the time when uh, when this song would start off and all eyes would be on Ted. Uh, you know, the great stranglehold starting off in the, in the in the live show, right? And then all of a sudden, everybody's confused. Who's singing? What? Where's that voice coming from? And it'd be Derek across the stage, and and all eyes would shift over to Derek, and that would tick Ted off to no end, apparently, right? Um, but of course, you know, Ted, you get him in an interview situation, he's always saying, "Oh, Derek, greatest singer of all time. Oh, he's got so much soul and all this kind of stuff." But but there was tension and. And it immediately flared up already on on the second album. I picked out of control because I didn't want to play the obvious. So this is something off of Cat Scratch Fever. But he's he's so he's there on this album, and he's also on the second album. But he's already fighting with Ted, and Meatloaf is singing on some of the songs on Free for All as well. But the crazy thing is, you go back to that first album, Ted's first big hit album, and and actually a bigger hit album than even the second album. Um, so Derek is singing Stranglehold with his beautiful Detroit soulful voice, right? Um, he's singing Stranglehold. He's singing the first single off of the album, Hey Baby, crappy song, but it's that sort of, you know, um, swinging 20s, 60s, whatever you want to call it kind of music, not a very heavy song. He's singing that. He's also singing Queen of the Forest. He's also singing one of the proto-metal songs on that album, Stormtroop. And he's singing Just What the Doctor Order, Snakeskin Cowboys, Where Have You Been All My Life? I mean, he's literally singing the whole album. So Ted immediately, um, you know, like, like, screw this. Derek is not going to be the star of this band. I'm the star of this band. Um, so that that changed real quick and and Derek would only last the two albums and the live album and then he'd be gone because it it would be a thing about Eagles with Ted. Um but you know I I want to give uh, a little bit of credit to Ted also because I think my favorite vocal on the whole album is Ted's Motor City Madhouse. I love the way Ted sings that. I'm I'm happy with Ted singing songs. I love his voice. I think he's a pretty good singer too. Um and I love those those ferociously late period heavy albums, uh, you know, like Love Grenade, Crave Man, where he's singing everything, and uh, and I think that's just great. That's that's what I, I I'm I'm perfectly fine with having Ted sing. But obviously Derek is this great singer, this great vocal technician, and and he was a big part of the band. And you know Ted, unfortunately, um, you know he I guess he 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 you know doesn't want to see two stars in the band but a strong a band is just stronger when it's got uh, more great players in it so uh you know some say the magic left when uh when um derek was replaced it was Char- charlie hewn and all that um 
And then, you know, Ted's taken over more of the vocals and, and a lot of people don't like Ted's vocals. So, so that happens. So, um, just a couple other examples in this category, which is the singer category for our first one, uh, Sammy Hager and Montrose kind of went through the same thing. Exactly. He comes into the band and, and he becomes the superstar of the band and Ronnie had a huge ego. So Sammy only lasts two albums. Ronnie is, is already singing a song on the next album. I got all this in my book. You know, I got this Montrose book, Montrose Gamma book called Rock the Nation. Um, Available at martinpopoff.com. Even my Ted Nugent book, I've got that as well. Uh, I've got the Weimer edition, the updated edition. Um, anyway, so so same thing happens. Sammy comes in and he turns out to be kind of the star of the band immediately. Like he's just this young kid comes in and like a, like a meteor, uh, you know, he he dominates that amazing, 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 great first album as singers, you know, naturally can and do. Um, but then he's kind of put in his place on the second album, and then his place is out of the band on the third album. Album. And that's uh, spells doom for Montrose. It's never the same, right? The magic is just goes down, down, down. But that first album, everybody loved it. And of course, Sammy goes on to have this great solo career as well as uh, he joins this uh, this small obscure band from California called Van Halen and has some success there as well. Um, so there's that example. And there's also, you know, you could almost say there's a little bit of an example of Ronnie James Dio coming into Black Sabbath. Um, he... You know, egos start clashing there as well. Everybody's, you know, he's he's got a pretty big ego, and uh, and uh, he kind of is the star of the band again, a little bit by default. Like nobody's nobody puts Tony Iommi in a corner, of course, or or Geezer. Um, but well, actually, Geezer is now not writing the lyrics too, so Geezer's power has gone down uh, across heaven and hell and mob rules as Ronnie comes into the band. But Ronnie becomes a big star of Black Sabbath. Let's face it, he changes the band. So. so so he is a perfect example of this kind of outshined concept. And then, and then, you know, even more so, he goes on and starts a band called Dio and they sell more records than Black Sabbath does. So talk about being outshined. As soon as Dio leaves the band, same, same happened with Ozzy also, but when Dio leaves the band, he has quite a bit of success with Holy Diver and The Last in Line. So there's our singer, uh, singer example. Uh, let's move on. Number two example here in episode 85, Outshined, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Take a listen to this. This is Yes with Changes. All right, so our example here is an example of a multitasker. Um, I think when Trevor Rabin comes into the band, he's a guitarist, he's a he's a producer head, he's a, he's a co-lead singer now with John Anderson, who's got nothing else to do other than lead sing and 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 lyrics and that. But uh, you know, on this album, um, so on this song changes, which was a big song on the album, on this huge album. Like I say, I mean, he comes in and rescues the band. They have this this period of great success uh with 90120 uh, uh 90125 geez i did it again i do that all the time uh, anyways co-lead singer on uh, the big song owner of a lonely heart 
co-lead singer on Changes, although Trevor, you know, gets gets the big part of this one. Um, he's he's the lead on uh, on Leave It with Anderson as well on Hearts. They're co-lead singers. Anderson does the rest. But you know, they have a big album with this one. Big Generator does pretty good too. Talk, you know, so he totally transforms the band. He's this guy from South Africa with really no success to speak of before this, and he's coming into this institution and he completely, you know, changes it. He modern modernizes it. And I gotta say when I when I I saw them live. Um, he is an incredible talent. When I saw them live recently with the Anderson, whatever law firm that they called themselves, they they totally mopped the floor with the current version of Yes. They were unbelievable. So that's a great example of a multitasker coming in and changing things. And I have two other examples for you. I think Bruce Dickinson can, can, coming into Maiden is a little bit of a multitasker. He's great with interviews. He's a great front man. He's a great personality. He kind of takes over and becomes uh, the face of the band even more so, at least to the medium fans and the casual fans, than, than, than a Steve Harris could ever be. Uh, even though he is the leader, it's his band. But, but you know, over time, it becomes almost a co-situation with Bruce and Steve. You know, he's a lyricist. He's a singer. He's writing a little bit bit of music in that as well um but he's just he he becomes uh probably the biggest spokesman for maiden really over time i would say he's the he's the um you know the most uh most enthusiastic and mansplainer uh, in an interview situation. So he does really take over. And obviously, he's an amazing singer. He's an amazing lyricist. And he's an amazing frontman. So all, all the power to Bruce. But he, he does come into this situation. Another one that I feel kind of fits this is Phil Collin coming into Def Leppard. I think I think it's uh, it's Joe's band first, but I think second in line is Phil. I mean, Phil comes in at the tail end of Pyromania and uh, and he becomes a, ma- a a big songwriter, a guy that that gets interviewed all the time. He's he's kind of one of the front front guys of the band certainly. Yeah, more 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 than um more than Rick and more than Viv and uh, and the other Rick, uh, you know, more than all three of those guys. I, I think Phil is essentially uh, Joe's right-hand man in Def Leppard. So he's coming in from Nowheresville. You know, he was in this cool band called Girl, actually, and they put out two albums. And he, and he comes into the band and uh, I think uh, I think kind of transforms it um, and, and, and makes it makes it a band where he is uh, it's it's kind of Joe and Phil are, are the two guys you, you think about the most all right uh, let's take a short break we'll be right back all right back again here on history and five songs with Martin Popoff this is episode 85 outshined where certain personnel come into bands and uh, and kind of change change the situation uh, take a listen to this this is our third example this is kiss with I've had enough into the fire Now, I picked this actually to um, showcase Eric Carr, who I'm not a big Eric Carr fan, but I really don't think it's his fault. I think uh, we only saw the tip of the iceberg in Kiss of what he was capable of. But I think he does really give them a shot of energy and move them into this slightly more technical hard rock zone, Creatures in the Night, Animal Eyes, Asylum. Uh, So this era of the band... um, 
I I think uh, and and they you know for for all their for all of Jeans and Pauls making the drums simple and and making the drums not the start of the band they they sure had the drums loud in this band and uh, and that's and that's Eric so we're, so we're talking loud snare drum loud bass drum I think personally. Um, for whatever reason, and this probably, like I say, isn't the drummer's fault, but for whatever reason, the grooves are really stiff on these Kiss albums. Um, but I think Eric is is a great example of a drummer that comes in and changes the situation. Because in a lot of cases, you know, a drummer can't change a situation. And though I wanted to give a couple other examples of this. Obviously, when Scott Travis comes into Judas Priest, that really gives them a, a kick up the butt. I mean, Dave Holland is literally drumming and becoming less around uh, and, and to the point where at the end, he's kind of replaced by drum machines. Um, so when Scott comes in, uh, this band uh, kind of realizes they have a lot more versatility to do a lot of different things. And obviously, they, they give him the floor um, to open Painkiller with that signature, you know, drum flurry. Uh, which is really nice of the guys to say, hey, everybody, like, here's our new drummer. Check this out. And they become a band transformed uh, on Painkiller, and it does well, and it does gold, and it gives them a new shot of life. Um, another example uh, where this kind of happened was um, was when Simon Phillips came into the band for Sin After Sin. This one was suggested in, on the Facebook page by Nathan Carson. And by the way, I picked Yes Changes over my other examples because I wanted to give tribute to a good buddy of mine, Jeb Wright. Uh, that was his suggestion. Um, Jeb had classic rock revisited for all those years, like a like a legend in the business, uh, and, and did all these great, great interviewer. He did all these great interviewers at the site, but that was his suggestion on that one. Um, but, uh, but yes, uh, Eric Carr was... Uh, was suggested by uh, Horace uh, Cordier. Cordier? Horace, how do you pronounce your last name? Let me know. Um, but uh, but yeah, Nathan Carson came up with the idea of Simon Phillips. And, and that is a great example as well, because... Um, you know the drumming was not um, was not a big feature of Rock and Roll or Sad Wings, but the drumming is a huge feature of uh, of the Sin After Sin album. Everybody remembers those fast grooves and those jazz fusion things that this young, you know, curly haired haired uh, eighteen years old or so Simon Phillips came in and applied to Judas Priest. It was he was not coming from a heavy metal place, but he comes in and he really like raises the uh, intellectual gray matter gray matter factor on Judas Priest. So everybody remembers the great drum performance on that album um you know not to say that out, outshines the rest of priest you can't outshine uh you know the the amazing the the amazing riffs that are being written by kk and glenn and you've got ian in there and you've got this great you know obviously you know super vocalist with a lot of charisma in rob so it's not really an outshine thing but it but it's bringing a drummer in who actually transforms a band and the last example i want to give uh, in this department is uh, one i've cited many times nigel glockler coming into saxon wow what a difference he made on uh, Power of the Glory, Power in the Glory, um, completely, uh, you know, raising the energy level to the nth degree. The power, the, the production was amazing, but but he could turn the simplest of Saxon songs. And that's what Saxon did. They wrote these simple, catchy songs. You know, I, I almost call them like a Kiss band. Uh, they're, they're a little bit like Kiss. Like Whitesnake and Saxon are, are like the Kiss of the New Wave of British Heavy Metal in a way, right? Um 
you know, let's not get into whether White Snake's a new album band or not. But, but the point is, is that um, there are some pretty simple songs on Power of the Glo- Power and the Glory at, that Nigel uh, completely transforms by those great fills and the energy and the bashing of all the cymbals and stuff. So there's uh, there's one, two, three, four drummers that uh, that tra- uh, that transformed a band that kicked them to the next level. All right. Let's move on. Here's our fourth example. Uh, Take a listen to this. This is Peter Gabriel with I Have the Touch. All right, now I picked this uh, one to represent the idea of a band transforming um, that, or outshining the leader of the band, the the guy with the name on the tin. In this case, it's Peter Gabriel, of course, but um, but he assembles this this band of of amazing musicians that have so much personality behind what they do. You've got David Rhodes on guitar and Larry Fast on keyboards. You've got Tony Levin on the on the fretless and the stick bass, and you've got the great Jerry Murata coming up with all these crazy percussion sounds and and the and adding kind of the new worldness to the whole thing. As does Tony for for that matter. Um, but uh, so this isn't this isn't a case of uh, of the band outshining Peter Gabriel uh, particularly because because Peter Gabriel is awesome he's a he's a great singer lyricist frontman everything the whole concept is is him it's just it's just shows the greatness of of his hiring practices that he can bring on a band like over time over those first. Now, or, or those self-titled Peter Gabriel albums, he becomes less and less conventional. Um, you get you get to melting face, and it's pretty unconventional. But then, but then you also get you move into security that this album is from, and uh, you know security slash self-titled, um, and the uh, kind of the kind of the world music futuristic uh, elements from Melting Face. Are, are pronounced on here and you and you get kind of a unified sound I'll never forget um, at um, Lee's Palace here in Toronto um, I got to go see his band without Peter Gabriel and um, you know m- met them all got got their autographs all that stuff did did interviews they were super guys but um, so so they went out on tour as uh, as I can't remember what they called themselves, but it was essentially Peter Gabriel's band without Peter Gabriel, and you and you really got to see the the, the great personality uh, that they added uh, to this situation. All right, and our our other example that I wanted to mention here, um, and this is a, uh, a a a faithful listener as well. Steve McNary came up with this one, uh, David Lee Roth's band. So David Lee Roth leaves Van Halen. And he hires a band of of complete, you know, fireworks, firecrackers, pyrotechnic dudes in in a bass player in Billy Sheehan, in a drummer, amazing drummer in Greg Bissonette, and uh, and uh, Steve Vai, who had quite a history before him, and he's a big noisemaker and squonker and everything. So his whole band is is being very active behind Dave, and you and you could say that in a sense, you know, again, no one outshines David Lee Roth. I mean, literally, he's probably the most extreme example here of somebody who can't be out, outshined. But um, 
you know, uh, he, he is definitely being, you know, you, you definitely think about the musicianship of these three guys and, and you can, you can listen to those, those songs across, uh, Eat em and Smile and Skyscraper and, and literally, um, just listen to the songs for the personality of, uh, of the bass player, the guitarist and the drummer. And you can, you can kind of forget about Dave sometimes. Um, but, uh, but again, it's, uh, it's all power to David, just like Peter, uh, Peter Gabriel in terms terms of uh I'm going to hire the greatest band you can possibly ever imagine and 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 by certain by certain standards they were kind of that they were they were literally um it, it was almost like uh, you know, in hair metal, it's sort of known that you have to have a guitarist that's a virtuoso. But David just said, like, let's turn everything up to 11. Let's make my entire band virtuosos. And yet we're a hair metal band. So that was kind of a cool thing that he did. All right. Let's move on to our last example. Take a listen to this. This is Ozzy Osbourne with Little Dolls. <laughs> All right, so this was the example, uh, you know, suggested by Andrew Theo because, like I say, he's really got a bone to pick with Ozzy, uh, and he will pick it if you give him a chance, and and he does. Uh, just check out the Facebook page, um, but yeah, the idea here is that. Um, you know, Ozzy, uh, big personality. You can't outshine Ozzy. Um, you know, he's he's got this distinct, you know, vocal quality. He he is Ozzy. He's a front man. He's a whole package in himself. Um, and the band does famously amazing. But uh, but you know, instantly you get this nobody coming into this band, this little skinny guy from L.A. in Randy Rhodes, and all of a sudden you've got a guitar hero that there's two stars in the band really at this point. Uh, Randy, everybody is loving what Randy's doing. Um, you know, they're listening to his solos, they're listening to his uh, his mellow stuff, his heavy stuff, his tone. His tone is amazing. Um, this kind of overdriven thing. Uh, how they how they kind of like leave Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslake kind of um, in in this interesting mid-rangey background feel, but the production is really cool too. That's kind of the cool thing that helps uh, helps Randy become a star too, but he definitely, definitely does be, become a star in this band. So it's a great example of being, you know, Ozzy being kind of outshined by this guitar player. And then obviously there's, there's always, you know, there, there's always, um, this thing with egos in the band. It's a touchy thing with Ozzy because he's not, he's not exactly writing the lyrics and he's not writing the music and what is Ozzy doing, blah, blah, blah. And there's all these lineups changing. So Sharon always has this tough job to, uh, to keep, Hey, you know, the, the name on the tin is Ozzy Osbourne. He's the most important person here. So, you know, there are problems when these other guys become stars, I suppose, somewhat. Um, some other examples in this category, this is the guitarist category, right? Um, We've got uh, suggested by John Mahoney, a listener, um, Robbie Blunt in the Robert Plant Band. Again, Robbie Robbie becomes somewhat of a star across those first two albums. He's he's Robert Plant's new right-hand man, Jimmy Page, right? Doing these amazing, beautiful, beautiful acoustic things, a real mystery man. He comes in with not a lot of history, um, you know, just, just some sort of uh, obscure bands that had albums out, and he goes to obscurity. He just, like, vanishes off the face of the earth once he's out of the band. Um, you've got... Uh, um, 
Steve Bellow suggested John Sykes in Whitesnake. Perfectly good example again. John Sykes comes in and transforms that band, especially when you get to Still of the Night, one of the greatest riffs of all time, right? Um, so, so you've got this, and you've got egos again here. David Coverdale's got an ego. John Sykes has got an ego. They start fighting immediately, and, and it's, it's drama to the end um, in this band. But John Sykes really becomes a second, you know, he's, he's a good-looking, blonde, blonde-haired guy with a square chin, right? You know, he, he becomes the guitar hero in the band, and all of a sudden... Um, um, you know, David Coverdale has has a second star to contend with uh, within this band. And then John Sykes also, when he came into Thin Lizzy, it's kind of the same thing. He transformed that band. He changed it completely into this uh, into this gritty, grindy, you know, with with Chris Tangerides, um, you know, gritty production on Thunder and Lightning. Um he he really becomes he 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 outshines certainly Scott Gorham, who's you know him and Phil, you know they've they've got this heroin drama going on and stuff, but but he you know Scott Gorham has been the guy in the band for all those years, uh, you know the the mainstay of the of all the twin guitar lineups, you know whether it was with Robbo or Gary or whatever. Um, uh, snowy white as well but but literally you get to thunder and lightning and uh, the guitar star in the band is john sykes a couple other examples i thought jeff coleman in mogway um jeff coleman becomes um i think uh outshines what phil is doing and what pete is doing in in a band called mogway he that becomes uh, a showcase for an amazing amazing soloist and riff writer and jeff coleman um and uh to stay on point with that when michael shanker came into ufo same thing kind of happened all of a sudden this band has a guitar hero he's this uh, young german guy good looking dude bit of an enigma and all of a sudden um you know, who is the star of this band now? Um, it is pretty much equally Michael Schenker and, and Phil Mogg for quite a while and, and completely changes the sound of the band from, from the uh, Mick Bolton years. And, uh, and so they have this uh, big successful period. It's their classic period and, and people just kind of swear by it. I mean, I'm a big Paul Chapman fan too, but, um, essentially, you know, the the golden years of UFO had two stars in the band, and that was Michael Schenker and uh, and Phil Mogg. So there you go. That is this episode, episode eighty five. Outshined. Uh, let us know what you think at the Facebook page or my regular Facebook page or Twitter. Um, if you like the show and want to support future episodes, um, I don't have a Patreon. All I got going is this uh, Kofi rhymes with no fee dot com, where you can buy me a pint or a uh, coffee by hitting that red support button. Uh, on that uh, front, this week I want to thank uh, Bruce Campbell as always, biggest supporter of the show that there is. Um, Jonas DeRoche, new name there. Thank you very much, Jonas. Tim Derling, um, David Fisher, Jeremy French, Melissa Nee, Augustin Garcia de Paredes. So thank you all for supporting. And again, you can go to martinpopoff.com for your hard rock and heavy metal and old man book and old man rock and dad rock uh, book needs. Uh, increasingly, everything we talk about, um, you know, that I write books on uh, is being called that derogatory term dad rock isn't it um anyways you can go there for all your book needs um so i hope you enjoyed this episode um thanks again for listening see you next time find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts all songs can be found for purchase on itunes spotify or google play please 
purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.